And now, the world's most exciting podcast, The Savage Nation, home of borders, language, culture. Here he is, Michael Savage. Let's do a comic book for the listeners. Okay. okay. Right now, I mean, right now, verbally, we're going to do a verbal comic book. Okay. What happens from this day forward? We, you don't know. You say it's chaos. I told you my comic book is the apocalypse of Iran sending one million troops via a corridor, whether it be through Syria or, God forbid, through Jordan, because they could overrun the Jordanian military if they wanted to. Could, you know, all of this could happen. Um, there could be a new disease. Um, if this were a comic book, I would say somebody is going to go to AI and ask for a solution uh, based on history, based on what has worked throughout history, what has not worked throughout history. And AI will be able to go through all of this historical data really quickly and come up with a scenario that nobody has thought of. But come on, we're AI. We've been the AI of our time. No, we're we're way too emotional for that. We we are. Invested. <laughs> no, I'm not. I'm we not are, emotional. No, no, not. I not cook much. shrimp. I, I cook shrimp. That's when I get emotional. You know, yeah. Or or when you watch Fiddler on the Roof, because as soon as they get into <laughs> as soon as they get into tradition and studying the Torah and everything else, you're going to become emotionally invested, and that's what happens when you talk about Israel or anything having to do with the faith. So we we are not reliable, uh, either that or we are the most reliable because we have an emotional commitment to the material. Um, mm, but yeah, good. if I were writing a comic book right now, AI would absolutely uh, become involved. Savage. Michael Savage, a host like no other. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Do you have a point of sale system you can trust or is it <clears throat> a real POS? You need Shopify for retail. From accepting payments to managing inventory, Shopify POS has everything you need to sell in person. Go to shopify.com system, all lowercase, to take your retail business to the next level today. That's shopify.com system. Middle East on the brink, North Korea on the brink. Iran increasing its aggression, elections in Taiwan. Look, there's a lot of global instability as we ourselves plunge into primary season. How have you sheltered your savings and investments from potential major setbacks to the economy? You think it can happen here? It can happen here, but it's not too late to diversify an old IRA or 401k into gold. And Birch Gold Group can help you with that. Birch Gold is the only gold company I trust. As opposed to many other investments, gold Gold thrives in times of uncertainty. It is an important part of diversifying your savings. Now listen, here's how Birch Gold can help make it a part of yours. Birch Gold will help you convert an existing IRA or 401k into a tax-sheltered IRA in gold. And it doesn't cost you a penny out of pocket. You want to learn more? Just text SAVAGE to 989-898 for a free info kit. S-A-V-A-G-E, text it to 989-898 and you get a free info kit. It costs you nothing. Just text SAVAGE to 989-898. 
9-8. With an A-plus rating with the Better Business Bureau, countless five-star reviews, and thousands of happy customers, I encourage you to arm yourself with the knowledge of diversification through precious metals. Protect yourself. Text SAVAGE to 989-8998 and claim your free info kit. Protect your savings with gold. Do it now. Text SAVAGE to 989-898. Thank you very much. Birch Gold is the only gold company I trust. Text SAVAGE to 989-898. Let's say the CIA is running an AI program of what happens. What do you think they're finding in your comic Uh, book fantasy? You know, asteroids, aliens, something, something external. Or, you know, look how they tried to distract us with, with UFOs. Yeah, that was such amazing. Transparent. It was so going on too long. All of a sudden, coming from Biden, UFOs when the man's policies were failing left and right. Yeah, ignore the man behind the curtain. Let's look at UFOs, right? Okay, so we learn we learn from Plato to never trust the shadows on the wall. Remember that famous story. We're only seeing the shadows on the wall of the cave. We're not seeing those who are casting the show. Right. No, you have to be facing. Right. If you're facing the back of the cave, you basing your view of the world on the shadows that you see. And that's that's a fallacy. Um, by the same token, if you go into into, say, war and peace looking for answers, you're going to find lots of people doing lots of things. A change in any character in war and peace would cause the entire novel to cascade in a different direction. Wow. We found that we found that in our own writing. So anything that you do in in the current Middle East war, in the current Ukraine war, uh, in wars that we have not yet seen emerge, uh, in whatever is going on in this country, on the Mexican border, the mm. cartels, who knows where the next uh, uh, trigger could be. And so what, what I'm saying to you is that you have to remain fluid. You have to take a Kung Fu approach to a lot of it. And that's not to trivialize the horrors of what's going on. And that's not to say Israel shouldn't do this or shouldn't do that. But Jeff, you, you have to agree with me. I, I'm not you have to, but I think you would agree with me to be more specific uh, that what I uh, what, what Hamas just did to Jewish women, children, men and families raping, kidnapping, et cetera, cutting throats of babies is not much different than what the cartels have been doing in Mexico to civilians of their same race and religion, by the no way. No different at all. No. 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 And it's, not based, back, it's look, not based on religion. Yeah, Attila the Hun. Right. Well, it's closer to home. How did it work out with the with the wars out west? Between the uh, the indigenous people and the uh, the cavalry. Oh, hold right? on! I, I was just referencing that yesterday in one of my in one of, since I'm a student of Native American history, which is so filled with tragedy of what the cavalry did to these human beings, all yeah. these tribes. I mean, I wrote Earth Medicine in 1972, which didn't make me the world's expert, but I spent years studying uh, Native American foods and plants and then i found that when they captured the other tribe some tribes skinned them alive and threw them out in the snow without skin if you want to know what torture could be using stone implements to shave the skin off a body of the enemy of a still living body and or or roasted them slowly uh from the feet up 
there's all kinds of horrendous stories. Oh God! And the cavalry, the cavalry came in and did the same things with with less. I don't want to say finesse, but with <laughs> a less of a sense of connection to something grander. Well, you know, I was reading you talking about Native Americans now. The uh, the Pueblo story, the uprisings. It was only when they rose up against the cavalry and defeated them significantly over and over again uh, that the cavalry backed off and let them have self-rule. Yeah. But incidentally. Yeah, yeah. I yeah. Mean, it's, and, it, but but then again, look at what happened after after Little Bighorn. You know, once something like that makes it into the news, uh, it's it's tough to put that genie back in the bottle. Here's a great one. Chief Garfield was a Yucarilla Apache leader who had lived to the age of 108. Spanish missionaries named him Garfield after the U.S. president. Whoever heard of this beautiful, noble man? Yeah. This is a great book. It's like a comic book written by historians. It's incredible. <laughs> I should send it to you for Hanukkah, Jeff. I bought it on a used pile somewhere once, you know, and it's coming so handy. But we are speaking about atrocities committed on the Native American by the United States government through the U.S. cavalry. Yeah. And what I, what I was saying earlier was that um, if if you look at any of these cultures, like I, I was um, I was up in the mountains with a Chumash, Chumash elder in uh, Santa Barbara and you begin to understand the connection to nature and spirit animals and skinwalking and cave painting and things like that. Um, a culture that could create things like that is not going to resort to the same kind of barbarity in the same way. And I'm saying in the same fashion, but in the same way as what the cavalry did or what we see happening in, in the Middle East. Um, so, yes, these these horrible things have happened throughout history, pretty much unabated from the beginning of, of so-called civilization. But there was no there were no iPhones when Attila the Hun was rampaging through that part of the world. No, but, you know, these stories were told and retold orally. We're still talking about Attila the Hun. Uh, so obviously those tales have survived somehow. Uh, and they're going to continue to survive. Well, people are fascinated by the most horrible things on earth. That's why gangster movies are so popular. But nobody is nobody is really considering this on a human level. I shouldn't say nobody. Okay. For example, what we, you know, you and I both remember, and I, I saw it firsthand when when I lived down there. The jumpers at the World Trade Center. There are human stories buried in all of these horrendous acts, and uh, I, I I return to the idea of anti-Semitism, okay. uh, anti-Indigenous people, anti whatever it is, greed of of cartels. There is a precipitating factor that. Um, is unfortunately built into us. An element of what? Greed? Of, of greed, of savagery, of um, uh, too, too many of us are not, as Ray Bradbury put it, we're still too close to the apes and too far from the stars. I love that. That's so well put. So I'm, again, I, I have been going more and more into, you know, spirituality. I do God talk on Sundays when I can 
feel like it and I have anything to say. So I have a little book called Daniel's Prophecies. I I, I don't know who gave yeah. it. Well, one of the missionary groups, probably. Jehovah's Witnesses probably left it in a mailbox to me a long time ago. So I have interesting diagrams. And one of them is this, Jeff. I don't know if you can see it. Yeah, I can see it. Okay. Listeners can see it. And what it is, is world powers of Daniel's prophecy. The immense image, four beasts out of the sea, Babylonia from 607 BCE, Medo-Persia from 539 BCE, Greece from 331 BCE, Rome from 30 BCE, Anglo-American power, world power from 1763 CE, and then it ends with politically divided world in the time of the end. That's the biblical prophecy. Right. This is no different than the 12th Mahdi, by the way. But this is how, look, go back, go back to the the dividing point between uh, BCE and AD, and what was Rome, if not as cru- crucifixion? Good God. I mean, what, what kind of so-called civilization comes up with that except to terrorize a rebellious population who and to line to be, the roads? Who, who found a, a religion that worshipped Jesus right. as opposed to worshipping the Caesar, correct? Well, all right, that's that's a whole separate topic, and it would probably fit better with your God talk. But think, but think about this. <laughs> first of all, you you bring up you bring up Daniel. Look at any of the prophets, Ezekiel, Jeremiah. These people were hearing the word of God, whether they did or whether they imagined it, which I doubt. But um, I, I think they did hear it, and I think um, that they were relating what uh, what God wanted to the Jewish people. Um, and now we can jump forward to, to Rome and, and Jesus. Um, if Jesus was of that same, let's, let's say caliber or, or same manner, um, what, what did that mean to the people of the time? What about these miracles? What about the apostles? What about the political aspect of the struggles between Peter and Paul after um, the crucifixion. These are all important questions, but they are they are kind of microcosms of the larger issues that we that we still face. It's political. Savage, the Savage Nation. It's Savage on Demand. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Do you have a point of sale system you can trust, or is it? <clears throat> a real POS. You need Shopify for retail. From accepting payments to managing inventory, Shopify POS has everything you need to sell in person. Go to shopify.com system, all lowercase, to take your retail business to the next level today. That's shopify.com system. My mind just jumped to one of our novels, Abuse of Power, and I think we were talking about a character called Soren, based yeah. upon George Soros. He just came to mind. To me, he's the devil incarnate, him and his son, human devils. I know you don't want to join me in this, but I wonder if he had anything to do with Ukraine going off against Russia and, and, and Hamas. Was he involved with propping up these terrorist groups? Is it possible that these uber leftists are involved? I don't know. It's a separate question. 
it's a separate question and who props up whom and what nation building goes on again is a separate topic it's one of those things that gets that gets factored into the conversation in a think tank or a situation room and ultimately the whole thing becomes convoluted and really pointless because somebody will come along and do something you aren't expecting out the window goes all of your white papers genius dr ald you needed a position where you could sense seed sleeper agents all over the world and also a base where both the underworld and feds would be watching your criminal activity so closely they'd miss the real operations hmm interesting so that's where Jack Hatfield has to turn to the underworld to get on yep. top of the Islamo-fascist cells in the country, correct? And by the way, that was not uh, that was not a bad idea then. It's probably not a bad idea now. Yeah, but do we still have an underworld that's that smart? Um, yeah, <laughs> yeah, but you know, now you're getting into really tricky moral ground, and. Um, uh, you can't you can't in a time where we have no more objective morality, no more be, objective morality. Good, good point be, of digression here. You can't you can't just say, well, you know, let's go talk to the cartels and find out what they're hearing from Afghanistan or from uh, from Libya or whatever. You, I mean, you can do it. Should you do it? It was the same question about should you use Mengele's research, medical research <laughs> from uh, from the concentration camps? The answer is no, um, but it was a discussion. Should we use Lucky Luciano to tell us when the Germans were going to blow up a ship in one of our ports? Well, we did. We did. We did. Yeah. But that's yeah. when we had a Lucky Luciano and we understood the Italian mentality here in America. They were all patriotic. Well, and that's an important point because you and I both know we talked about this growing up in, in, uh, in Manhattan where... Um, where my uncle was was doing business with uh, with mobsters, these guys, you know, the idea that you could just make a deal with a handshake, and as long as you lived up to your your commitment, you were going to be okay. It was an extortionist commitment, but you know, you you entered into it for a reason. Um, and uh, uh, I don't know, I, I I have a different feeling about the old timers than than I do about some of the modern criminals and i think you would agree with that i don't know any modern criminals and i didn't know any old criminals i did inter in, in, in interview recently in the last year a jewish gangster actually knew all of them i had one of my podcasts yeah. with him so i don't know where the mentality is but to me i sell it, say to people and i don't mean this any in, in a facetious manner the the most criminal organization in the world happens to be the united states government and it has the largest number of soldiers on the streets of the world with nine carrier groups around the planet. I would say this is a criminal enterprise right now. Uh, I would say I would say it's frequently an unconstitutional enterprise and people, the, the population as a whole, doesn't seem to care about that enough. Um, Look at San Francisco, it, Jeff. I know we have, a, we have a city that I loved. I don't go over the bridge into that city anymore because of what Pelosi and Feinstein let happen to that city to absolute greed and corruption. Pelosi and Feinstein did business based upon their political connections through their husbands. Everybody who studied the state knows that. And as a result, the state and city have collapsed because corruption has 
consequences, Jeff. That's yeah. my opinion. Well, but okay, again, define corruption. Are are lax prosecutors part of corruption, or is yes. that just an idea? Is that an ideology? Okay, but no, they're put which, in place. Good point. Why would Soros fund DAs like Alvin Bragg, who let overt criminals, naked overt criminals, free, and put heroes like that U.S. Marine who who choked out? Um, that guy in the subway car and, and make him the, the criminal. Why would they criminalize the cops and lionize the criminals? Why? Because they work for the criminals. I don't think it's through ideology. I think they're put there like in the movie, The Departed with Jack Nicholson. Remember The Departed? Yeah. When they yeah. when they plant people inside the uh, Massachusetts State Police so we can get all the information and know where, where the police were going to go next. I don't think this is by accident. No, I don't well, think it's through ideology. I don't think it's through ideology. I think they actually are working for the gangsters that look that that has to do with greed that goes back to al capone and uh, the time of the untouchables where everything was infiltrated by uh, by informants uh, for the criminals capone had gotten that far in chicago oh yeah yeah he, he owned the chicago pd it, it was the police it was the judicial system it was everything and uh but he bought know, them all why- bought them all off but that's why somebody like like Ness was brought in who had no connections. The untouchables, they where were not is, touched. Where are where is our Elliot Ness in the Biden administration or outside it? He can't well, exist anymore, Jeff. Can, can. Well, it, it, it can. But the unfortunate situation is you've got too many people who can instantly protest at your house. You know, there were protests <laughs> house being protested. I love it. Look, there were protests outside Schumer's house. Those people were arrested. There were death threats against uh, against Supreme Court justices. Those people were not even prosecuted. I remember that. Yes. Yeah, so it's okay. so which gang is running the country? Right. So which gang is in power? You know, you and talk who, about Al Capone. I have to do a side a side. Yeah. A quick savage lightweight appetizer so the producer works for me now william and he's a young guy with a nice family and he, I, I said where do you live i don't even know where you live because i work remotely and he used to work with me in the old radio days and since doug got sick he came in and works with karen just nice italian guy he has a wife and children he goes to college he works so hard all the time so I said, where do you live? He says, oh, outside of Chicago. And he names the town. And he said, I said, how did you learn how to cook calamari so well? He said, my father owned an Italian restaurant north of Chicago in the suburbs that, that I grew up in. And he said, Al, everyone has an Al Capone story in this town because this is where he hung out so that everyone knows how to cook Italian food up here. It's an Italian community. So it just shows you how far reaching these things really are. It goes all the way down to calamari, Jeff, when you think about it. It goes down to calamari and think about the the octopus tentacles of this thing. Because, <laughs> oh. no, no, seriously, from the same region, Richard Daly, thanks to Joseph Kennedy, gave JFK the election, which kept Richard Nixon from becoming president in 1960. I remember and, that well. It was only a few votes in one, one district. It One district changed the course of american history and thereby world history History. and it was a gangster who had done it right and we would be having a really different conversation right now without that one county and its calamari uh uh having having 
not participated in that process. Savage. The Savage Nation. It's savage, uncut, unfiltered, and raw. I'm speaking with the great writer, Jeff Rovin, who worked together with me on Abuse of Power, Countdown to Mecca, A Time for War, and some nonfiction books. Well, I think the nonfiction books, you know, like like uh, Stop Mass Hysteria, were significant in the sense that when we wrote fiction, we were speculating. When we wrote nonfiction, we were recounting history as a warning. It's funny, so though. Just, of, of all my political books, Stop Mass Hysteria didn't do very well. The yeah. others did. Very, it, it was too it was too historic for the people to even grasp it. They wanted uh, black and white, didactic, two legs good, four legs bad. Well, except that don't forget that at that time, all of the, the Bill O'Reilly, all of the historical nonfiction was doing really well. And uh, I, I would fault the publisher on that and not the. Um, See, now the this was a prescient book, Jeff. Yeah. Look, I remember. You look, you look exactly the same on the cover. Well, are you sure? <laughs> I am sure. I, yeah. actually, I may look better now, better color than this lighting here. Okay, yeah. so I wrote this in 2013. It was published in 2014. And it was to be called The Coming Civil War. And I modified it for the publisher, for Kate, I think, because it was too harsh. The publisher got scared. And I put stop in it. But I saw what was coming. And people say, well, when is it coming? I said, you're in it, baby. We are in a civil war in this. It's country. a slow burn. It's a slow burn, cold civil war. But it's it's been happening. And by the way, we haven't even gotten into national issues like water rights and and things that are also going to drive local populations and increase these fractures and increase the uh, the numbers of um you know pressure groups as kissinger called them um no I, I this is one reason why if you pull back from the news and it's just drop in every now and then to see what's going on you'll see you never would have predicted any of that uh, of what of of what you see on at any given time. But what do you mean by water rights? What does that have to do with anything? I'm not following. Well, you know, the, the Colorado River and also the, there were water issues in Las Vegas and surrounding territories in Nevada. Nevada, sorry. Um, uh, there, there, there are going to be water shortages. And this is going to be a more and more pressing well, issue. Wait, let's make bring it back to Gaza. Who yeah. knew that Israel controlled the water going into Gaza? The Gazans. But how... How can they turn a, a computer and turn the water off to Gaza? Where does the water come from? I don't know. Yeah, where, where's the water that they could turn it off? Where is it? Well, you know, on one level, you could say it comes from God. Come on, Jeff. So the Israelis control the water going into Gaza. First, they turn it off and people are suddenly dying. They're drinking sewer water. So the Israelis, they say blinked. Did you see the text that I, I did? I send you the text I got last night from an unnamed media powerhouse who owns a network. You'll never believe this. Listen to this. Um, Ex-Mossad chief says Gaza residents massacred Israelis don't end the siege. And then it's quoted to me and the man who sends it to me says this in the middle of the night. Do not blink in the closure. Do not blink in the blockade. Bringing water into the Gaza Strip 
is the first blink in Israeli policy, unquote. He remarked during an interview on Monday with Rashad Bey. So the Israelis blinked, Jeff, and they're, hesita- not, they're hesitating. Look, you know what? That that carries a connotation of weakness. Anytime you will furnish water to somebody who needs it, I'm sorry, but that is not weakness. And when when I say it comes from God, I was not being facetious. We are we are conduits for for all of these things, but it, it's sort of like mana. You 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 didn't make it yourself. It came from somewhere. And I don't I don't think any compassionate human being, um, for whatever reason, would withhold water. And I, that's not again. That wasn't a knock on Israel for what they did at the start. In the in the aftermath of that atrocity, you do everything you can think of. Well, the world's changed for all of us, Jeff, because of what's going on in Israel right now, Jew and non-Jew alike, Christian, Jew, it doesn't matter who. I would say the the semi-civilized, disorganized, civilized world and the highly organized, radical Islamist or fundamentalist world is now clearly at odds with each other. Yes. (laughs) I saw you think. A little slow. I like it. I loved. No, actually, no. I I'm, saw the no. computer at work. I watched it. No, because you know, I'm thinking whether it was my relatives who were pushed out of the shtetl by Cossacks, or my relatives who ended up at Auschwitz. Um, this, this again is not new, and you know, I'm reminded of uh, of when uh, FDR called uh, called all the Hollywood um, studio moguls to Washington at the start of World War II and um, warned them not to make any movies about concentration camps because Why? Americans because Americans would think they were fighting a Jew war. And oh, would, my God. Whoa, that, this is a great uh, a point of departure because we're hearing the same thing now. We've heard it since Zelensky became the front for the Azov Battalion, that it was a Jew war. Now Israel, another Jew war. The American right is opposed to both uh, the uh, war in Ukraine and the war uh, right now in the Middle East. Agree or disagree? Um, don't know. Again, I wouldn't say that it's a, a monolithic okay. uh, stand uh, by by any means. But the the idea that FDR was afraid of that in in 1942 uh, shows the degree to which anti-Semitism exists either below the surface or openly. Well, are they wrong? And this, is bring, this is bringing it out uh, because, again, we have social media. More people can say it and hear it and believe it, and more college campuses can discourse on it. And it's that's the horrendous part, is the cruelty. So, when you, again, to circle back, when you say that Israel uh, opened the spigots into Gaza, I, I say thank God for some humanity mm. in the midst of this carnage. After what was done to them, they can still find it in themselves to be charitable in that moment. Savage. Home of borders, language, culture, the Savage Nation. That's for now, Jeff. But when their back is to the wall and they're taking, uh, taking troops and wars on three or four fronts, I still believe in my comic book view of the world. They're going to use they're going to resort to tactical nuclear weapons. I 
I don't know. I, I um how, how what are they gonna do? Die? No. No. But I don't think I don't think that'll be the solution. Well, there better you know, the, be a, well, I would hope that Russia, China, Turkey, uh, uh, et cetera, would step in and make a diplomatic end to this. You know, somebody predicted that same thing during, um, I think it was during the Six Day War, where the, the Israelis should just uh, bomb the deserts and then go in with, with nukes and then go in and clean up with Windex. And, um, uh, you know, it, it was it was it was floated. Then it's being floated again. I pray that doesn't happen. Jeff, I think that we should pause. We have covered so much. This could be three podcasts, not one. I okay. found that I found it from people in the media that the average time spent viewing is eight minutes. Okay. The, and I've I've looked at my YouTube channels. It's very interesting. The data. It's about twelve minutes. I have a twelve minute average view of anything I post. If it's an hour long or a half an hour, people only will average look for twelve minutes. So I was told, why don't you take your your one hour interviews and break them into three? Because people are not getting past the first 10 minutes. They're on to the next YouTube or interview. They're not watching it. I mean, there are those who will watch the whole thing. But by and large, Jeff, we distractions, huh? there are distract, distractions, attention spans. All of it is just attenuated. That's why we need more comic strips. Well, it's it's. It's okay to tell a story in eight pages. You know, that's that's not a bad thing. <laughs> if you were to tell the story we've discussed today in one page, what would it say? Uh, I don't know. It's sort of like it's sort of like the um, we were talking about Hamlet here the other day. And there's a line from the song That's Entertainment in the bandwagon, the movie. And because people were going on about Hamlet and this, that, and all the nuances. And I said, this one line sums it up. The ghost and the prince meet and everyone ends in mincemeat. Mm. And so you could take any aspect of this and do it as a one-page comic book. But you know what? I would always come back to the idea of God and the, the stories of the Old Testament and the New mm -hmm. Testament. And... Use those as guide guideposts uh, forward, not to look at the, the details of day-to-day -day, uh, uh, activity. And so what would that tell us? We're, we're screwing up badly. But you can't tell me how the comic book ends. Yeah, I can I can. I can probably come up with something, but I, but I don't want to extemporize. I really don't. It's too it's too big a topic. Um, and it's it's the kind of topic where, you know, the only realistic answer is something based in faith. Doesn't matter which one. Just let's return to that. OK, well, I'll pray for peace because peace okay. is patriotic. I will pray for peace because peace is patriotic. Jeff, I want to thank you again for taking the time out of your hibernation. And it wasn't hibernation. I just wasn't, you know, look, I know, I, no, no, I get I it. You get know, comment on your, on the tweets and on, on, you know, things like that. There's yeah. Anyway, but you mean you, you don't want to spend a lot of time on, on political stuff right now because it, it's driving a lot of people. I know to, to points of total anxiety. I'm not per laying that on you, but I know people who won't watch the news. 
They yeah, can't. but you know what? It's fractal, Michael. What what you see on the street and, and with your neighbors is just a, a microcosm of what's happening globally. And so you don't really need the news to know what's going on and how it's filtering through to the people on the street. I'll leave you with one thought. The lily white suburbs. Halloween. Well, I, no, this Halloween, is Halloween. I, I, I'm in. Listen, I'm in the exurbs because I could never go back to New York after the way it's. Been I know, but you're a, you're a true Manhattanite. So here we are. I'm living in the, in the lily white suburbs. The white picket fences. Halloween. I see grown men putting skeletons made of plastic. Cobwebs, witches on their lawn. And I'm saying, are these people that stupid? Why don't they just put up a picture of a Hamas terrorist? wearing a headscarf. Well, although, you know, you just gave me an idea. That would be a great way to hide uh, uh, crimes if you were looking for an Alfred Hitchcock story where a guy's putting up real skeletons. It's kind of like uh, hiding in plain sight. <laughs> oh, letter, right? oh he's actually, go? He, he's actually putting up real skeletons on his lawn. <laughs> yeah, about victims. Yeah, nobody thinks to look there. Wow, cool decorations. Okay, you got, your next, you got your next co- comic book there, Jeff. Well... Okay. Yeah. Yeah. So, it's a good one. It'd be a good comic book. Yeah. yeah. Right. The okay, green, Michael. The green shadow. Jeff, stay well. We have you to too. do this more often. What's all that stuff on your table? Uh, these are uh, these are Japanese um, Japanese uh, figures, uh, which go date back to my childhood of Godzilla and uh, similar <laughs> similar creatures. Well, look. Think about that, Godzilla. The fire-breathing radioactive engine of destruction in 1954 was inspired by the atomic bomb, by people who had uh, the the producer and the special effects, the director and the special effects man had lived through Hiroshima, and they wanted to express what they felt in a film. If you go back and look at that original Godzilla, it's terrifying. It's it's especially when you see the victims. Uh, the, the 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 mother protecting her child as as fire rains down. This is not just a monster movie. They were Japanese pro- writers and producers. they were made in Jap. They were made. The got first Godzilla was made in Japan, and it's, Unbelievable. it's frightening. So, so they lived through a terror unlike any the world, and they ever. wanted to express it in terms that the the mass market could understand, and they succeeded incredibly well. We'll end on Godzilla, Jeff. Okay. Because it has the word God in the beginning of it. Exactly. Thank you, Michael. Thank you. All right, brother. Thank you, my friend. Stay well. You too. Take care. Savage. Well, thank you very much for listening to today's podcast. I hope you've enjoyed it and learned something from it. We have about 400 other episodes available for you to listen to absolutely free. You can go back into our vast library of podcasts and listen to any one of them at any time. And remember this, if you want to listen to my podcast ad-free, sign up for the Savage Premium Membership and get access to ad-free podcasts as well as some premium content from our Savage Archives. How do you sign up for those ad-free podcasts? Please visit michaelsavage.com for a link. Again, thank you for your listenership. This is Michael Savage.